Is it just us, or has life thrown you a whole bunch of curveballs? Do you have a lot of crossroads coming up in your life, and does it sometimes feel like the whole world is falling apart and darkness and destruction and division is stronger than ever? Today, we're going to talk about the biggest decisions we've made in our marriage, and we're sharing our exact process for making important decisions in our life and how we make sure we're making the right decisions every single time. We also share one big fail that taught us an expensive but essential lesson that would guide us through every other major decision the rest of our lives. And we leave you with a message of hope that will hopefully help you as you meet up with all the biggest crossroads in your life. Hi guys, I'm here with Neil today. Hi. And we are going to talk basically through what we're facing right now, which is a whole lot of really big decisions. And since we've been making a lot of really big decisions in our life recently, I just was talking to Neil this morning and said, why don't we do a podcast about how we make big decisions and how we make sure to make the right big decisions. And he felt good about that too. So that's what we're going to chat about today. So Just to give you a little bit of background, last week, I started to feel like all the wheels were falling off. That's what I told Neil. I said, I feel like all the wheels are falling off the bus. Like so many just pieces of our life were crumbling. And, um, I mean, we had a couple of employees quit both because they, one was just too overwhelmed as a mom who was trying to do distance learning with her children. And she worked for another company and she did some stuff for us. And she just said, I've got to cut back on work hours, which I totally respected. Um, our nanny of five years came to us and said that she found a better opportunity with an engineering company that she wanted to take. And we said to her, you know what, we love you and we want the best for you. And we think you should take that and we want to support you. But obviously that's a huge hole for us to fill. And then, uh, we left, the podcast producing company that we've been with for a long time. We left the talent management company that I've been with for four years. Um, we decided that we needed to look into switching our kids school because there's so much, we're not even sure what's going to happen there with the local school district. And so there were so many things just falling apart. And I just finally looked at Neil in the middle of last week and said, are what are we even doing here? Are we supposed to live here? What's going on? And so I started praying like crazy. So actually before we even, uh, we will circle back to that and we'll tie a bow on it and we'll let you know kind of how things went. But first let's talk about how we make big decisions. So Neil, do you want to just take that and start explaining how, how we try to make big decisions in our life? Yes. Well, we get a coin out. And we, no, I'm just kidding. No. Um, no. <laughs> so there's a process really, I mean, the concept is basically that I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And you're making a decision based off of very limited information for the most part. When you really look at it, mm-hmm. um, you, you do your best to research and figure it out. But at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to, no one could have predicted covid Um, And so trying to make a decision in January uh, probably would have looked a lot different making that same decision in 
September. Right. So really the concept behind it is, is, um, I, uh, we don't know, but we trust and believe in God and know that God knows all. And that if we listen to him, he will speak to us and, and convey to us what we need to do. We completely put our trust in him. And we put our trust in him. So, because it's like asking someone, it's like phone a friend and ask them to tell you because you know they have all the answers. They already see the end from the beginning. Except this is like the friend of all friends. Like right. this is God. Exactly. <laughs> so it's a little different. So it sounds really overly simple, um, but it's a process. And, and honestly, when making these big decisions, a lot of times it's a struggle. It's a, it's a wrestle. And so really the, the basic concept is, um, is, you know, studying it out in your mind, doing your own research, um, you know, coming up with your part of it, looking at your needs, your wants, your desires, um, the needs of whoever's involved and, you know, having a conversation about it, obviously, Karen and I will talk about it, um, and, and be involved throughout this process and research and, you know, start kind of moving in a, in a certain direction, even in depending on, you know, what the decision is. But most importantly, once there is somewhat of a conclusion drawn of, okay, I think this is based off of the research information that we've done and what we feel we need and would like to have happen in this situation, we feel a good about choice number, you know, choice A. So then we take choice A to Heavenly Father. And we pray about it. Is this right? Am I this saying this right? I'm laughing because I you said choice number A, so it made me think of Home Alone when he's like A two or In D. Two. No, sorry. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> no, gonna no, say no, choice number gonna... one, but then I said I decided to use the the numbers instead, the letters. It was Excuse a really me. silly reason to be laughing, but okay. The pattern that Neil's talking about too is we believe scriptural, so we take it from the scripture, Doctrine and Covenants nine. Um, which is scripture to us. And it's, I'll just read it to you. It says, but behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. So that's what Neil's talking about, like thinking through the different options and what you need and kind of writing it all down or thinking about it, whatever. So you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore you shall feel that it is right. But if it be not right, you shall have no such feelings, but you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write that which is sacred, save it be given you from me. So basically God's saying, okay, this is, this is the plan guys. If you want me to help you out, I need you to think through, use your brain first and think through your options. Maybe write it down, you know, do as much studying it out as you possibly can. And then make a decision and come to me and pray. And if, if it's right, you'll feel it in your heart. You'll feel that burning in your bosom. And if it's not, then you're going to forget what you've concluded. And, and sometimes that feels like confusion or it feels like chaos or it feels kind of. It just feels like, like it, sometimes it's just a, like a bad feeling. Mm-hmm. just like a sick feeling. Totally. Where you're just like, this just does not feel good at all. Um, and, and I even had that experience today was, was, you know, looking at making a decision and, and I'm just like, I just don't feel good about this. I, I just, you know, I, I followed this process and, and thought it out and did my best to, to do what I thought would be the right thing and, and best for 
you know, the situation and it just did not feel, this just doesn't feel good. Yeah. And Neil had talked to me about his reasons for, I kind of had put this decision in his hands. I was like, Hey, look, this is, this one's you. So you kind of, you know, do your research, figure it out. And he brought it to me and I was like, sure, that sounds great. Fine. Whatever. And then he was feeling kind of sick about it. And I said, okay, let's step back and not rush into anything because there's, there's no reason to rush this decision. So I think more often than not, it's almost always a better idea to take your time, especially with big decisions, you know, and not if one thing that I feel like you pointed out earlier today, that was so true is if it feels rushed, it's probably not right. Yeah. That's, that's one that I've learned is like, if there's this high pressure, like I got to do it right now, I got to do it right now, which is all marketing, all sales, all of that. It, they use this tact. This is probably like the number one tactic that they'll use is like act now, like time's running out. You've got, you know, and they'll, and they'll try and close really, really hard. Well, and sometimes like, that's legit. Right okay? yeah, no, like, no, I is. got an email this morning from someone that said, Hey, I saw that, um, your favorite concealer was on sale and where do I get that? And I'm like, sorry, that's why we sent out an email on Saturday saying today only because my favorite concealer was half off only on Saturday. Now there it's, is, now yeah, it's done. there are times. <laughs> and so, okay. So I, but, but at the same time, I, I, I think a lot of times if it's a big decision, big decision and it's like, not you're rushing concealer. through it and, and you're, you know, just kind of like, okay, 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 let's just do it. Let's just do it. Um, and you're skipping over some of those key steps or more importantly, you're disregarding that little feeling that you're having mm-hmm. inside that little angel on your shoulder saying like, Hey, this, this might not be the best thing. Yep. Um, that's, that's important to consider. So we wanted to share a few stories with you guys and we'll start off with our marriage decision because it's sitting right here in I Yale's actually closet. have it in my closet. We're recording in my closet and I've got this little framed, um, note. It looks like, I think you ripped a little piece of paper out of a notepad. Um, you know, just a lined note and then with a nice little, ironically, it's mint ink. That's fun. Yeah. It literally says Neil and Corinne, the marriage decision for 11, 2010. Yes. And I have it framed in my closet because there's a list of, we did pros first and then cons. We have two columns. So the pros column, we got all the way through it. There's probably maybe 20 items on there. Mm -hmm. And then by the time we got to the the end of the pros, we couldn't think of any cons. And so we felt like it was. Well, it wasn't just that too. That was a, that was was step number one, right? So step number one, it was, it really was like, we got to the cons and that where that scripture says stupor of thought, we went to write down cons and I was like, I'm drawing a blank. I can't think of any. Yeah. That was like an honest stupor of thought for me. I'm like, I, I can't. I don't think I have any. And then we said, okay, let's pray about this. We said, let's pray about this. And we knelt down and prayed together. And I can honestly say in the 11 years that I've known Neil, I've only seen him cry like. Well, you're going to bring this up. Maybe three times or something. (laughs) And only one of those times was about me. And that was, that was. That's got to make you feel special. It does make me feel special. Although sometimes when I think about, like, I think one of the times was when he watched Rad, like that's, you know. Kind of a, a bummer. Tear came to my eye. Yeah. <laughs> that was so special because we we did the pattern exactly the way that the scripture that I referenced a second ago says. Like you, we studied it out. We wrote down a list of pros. We had a super thought when we thought about the cons. Like why should we not get married? We knelt down. We prayed together. We had the most overwhelming, just strong yes. This is the right thing. And any time life has gotten hard. 
I've been able to go back to that and think, no, I know 1 million percent when we prayed about this, it was right. There was, there's no, I can never go back on that. There's no question in my mind that Heavenly Father said, yes, I am happy with this decision. You guys should get married. And same thing on the day we got married. There was so much joy in that room, so much happiness for me, at least, and for Neil, too. And so that's what it looked like for us for marriage. So now let's talk about the house. Do you want to share that story about our most recent house purchase, which was like two and a half years ago? Yes. So first off, I didn't even, and this one kind of came out of the blue for me. I loved the house we were in. It was so I awesome. Loved it too. Corinne loved it. Like it was great. I knew moving into it, I'm like, this house is perfect for our family, except it is like any more kids, any more anything, and we're going to size out of this thing. It was like just barely enough to fit us in. And it's all relative, right? Like in, if yeah, we had lived yeah. in Manhattan, that would have been People are like, well, you've got tons of room. Yeah. So relative to what we were used to and kind of what we felt like we needed, um, you know, we it was just enough for what we needed to run our business and to house our children. Right. Just enough bedrooms. There wasn't a playroom, but they used like a little corner in the hallway to play with their toys. And we worked at the kitchen table and we made it work. It was it was great. Yeah, it was awesome. And my intention, I had no intention. I'm like, I love this house. We're just going to, you know, we'll we'll be here for a long time. We'll keep it, you know, maybe eventually we'll move. But for now, I have no intentions of moving. So um, we kind of kept growing and, um, you know, we we had to shift some things around. We had to redo our closet to accommodate a few things. And then all of a sudden, I just had this feeling of like, you need to get a different house, which I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why would I do that? Like we, this house is great. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think we need that, but it kind of kept just this little feeling, this little voice. And then I talked to Corinne and Corinne's like, I was thinking the same thing. And I'm like, man, okay. Not just thinking though. It was, it was we had feeling. gone to the temple and we walked out of the temple. One of the times we went together and I had a strong feeling that that's what we needed to do next. It wasn't even a thought that came into my mind. Like, I think I want a new house. It was a strong feeling that we needed to find a, a house that would accommodate our family. And I think we got pregnant right after this. So our growing family, which we knew we wanted to grow at the time we had two kids, but we knew we wanted at least one more, maybe two. Um, and we were doing business out of our home. And so it was just kind of right about that time that um, we were running out of space, like Neil said, with, for inventory, um, we were trying to do the oils business out of our house. We were trying to do my business out of the house. We weren't quite working together full time yet, but it was kind of just right at that point in time when everything kind of changed and you came on board with me, we started working together and, um, I got pregnant with Millie and all that. Yes. So, um, let me keep going. Yeah. Okay. So knowing that we're like, I'm like, okay, like we're having had some similar experiences in our marriage and throughout our marriage, basing big decisions off of following these kind of feelings that we were having or avoid, you know, the, the inner voice, somebody might call it, um, we knew to, okay, we're going to trust it. And so we kind of carved out following this pattern we're like, all right, well, let's think about what we feel is important to us. We, we want to stay where, you know, in the area that we're in. We want to stay in the exact same same, like church congregation. We want to, you know, basically all we're going to do is just move into a house that's going to facilitate our growing family. 
So we, you know, identified an area, we identified a house. We, we kind of looked at the houses that were on the market, saw we one. We had like a list of, okay, in order for this to be our forever home, it needs to have this, 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 and this. Like it had, a, we had a list of things that it must have. Yeah. And so we, we kind of looked at what was available based off of that list. We found one that hit all of those things. And with, with a home, you just kind of, you're never going to get it exactly perfect. There's going to be a trade-off somewhere, but this one was really like, it was, I was like, okay, this is great. I love it. I'm excited about it. Mm -hmm. It'd been on the market for a long time and just been sitting. So I'm like, perfect. We might be able to get a deal on this thing. Looks like they, they're motivated. They want to, you know, they probably want to get out from under it. So we looked at it and we felt it out. We're like, okay, we, we prayed about it. We're like, okay, should we put in an offer? Um, and, and we both had that like happy, excited feeling of you know, like, okay, we're excited. This, this could I was be like, it. sweet, this yeah. is great. And so we put in an offer and do you want to tell us part of the story? Sure. Yeah. And by the way, it had a pool too. And I was excited about that because I was pregnant. So I thought, oh, I'm going to spend yes. like the a rest pool. of my pregnancy being able to float in a pool. And we would have had to figure that out, putting a fence around it or whatever with little kids. But at the time I was like, this is going to be great. I was so excited, excited to stay in the neighborhood, not have to make new friends, not have to go out of my comfort zone. And so we put this offer together. Our realtor helped us with it. We submitted it. It had been sitting on the market for one year with zero offers. We put the offer in and the very next day we got outbid by someone else. And then we just felt like, okay, I guess this wasn't meant to be. I guess we weren't meant to be in this house. So we were super bummed and we went to dinner. We went to Cafe Rio with our kids and I ran into an old friend from high school and she started talking about her neighborhood and how she loved it so much. And, um, so we went home and looked up Zillow or whatever. I, and I did this. Yeah, this Neil did part. this. Sorry. Sorry. I'll give you a full credit. Neil, we went home from cafe Rio. Neil fired up Zillow. Let me tell you, let me tell this no, part no, because be, just because I pride myself on finding this, this one. So, um, so yeah, we went back, we talked to Corinne's friend and she's like, Hey, did you ever looked into this neighborhood? And we're like, Oh uh, no, like, let me, we hadn't even considered it. We hadn't even, it hadn't even been on the table of discussion. So because to me, I was like, I don't want to start all over again. It took us, we had been in our last neighborhood for four years and I was like, I don't want to start all over with yeah. friends. And I, loved, and with I loved where we were at. I loved it. And I loved the people. It was just great. I'm like, this is perfect. We just need a, a house that's going to facilitate our family. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, let me go. You know, I love real estate. I love checking out, you know, new homes and whatnot. So I jumped on to, you know, one of the real estate sites. We checked and, and started poking around and looking at what was available. And then I come across this right when I saw it. I just saw the the picture and I'm like, oh my gosh. I And I literally <laughs> turned to Corinne and I'm like, I found your dream home. And I knew, I knew exactly what she wanted. I knew her style. I knew her taste. And it was just the, it was just this setup where I'm like, this is, I, I know that I have found your dream home. And I'm like, I don't even want to show it to you. And I remember saying that and I'm like, I don't even want to show it to you. So she's like, let me see it. So I looked, you know, pulled it over to her, pulled over the computer to her. And, and she's like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we need. It is beautiful. I love it. The layout is perfect for what we need. Um, and so from there, we're like, okay, we'll call our realtor and see if we can go take a peek at it. But all of the pictures of this house had been taken before the renters who were in it at the time, which, you know, so it was taken right after they had 
cleaned it all up. It looked beautiful. They just like repainted and done a lot of upgrades on it, made it look beautiful. But then they, you know, they put some renters in it after that. So when we showed up to look at the house, it was like, it was a disaster. I mean, every single room looked like something out of hoarders. Like there were, there was just so much stuff. You couldn't even see the floor and every single room. There was just like stuff, boxes, clothes, shoes, everything. Even the kitchen, we walked into the kitchen and this lady who was renting the house at the time was juicing. So she had all of these like fruits and vegetables just all over the counter, just spilled everywhere. And they're marble counters. So she's like spilling juices all over. If you know anything about marble countertops, it's like the worst thing you can do to a marble countertop. Yes, the renters were in there while we were touring the house, which is like the most number one awkward. I've never had a home tour ever like that in my entire life. Usually you leave. Like we were also at the time. No, not at the time. Well, maybe we were. We were showing our house or right around yeah, that time. We were always like and it was like if somebody came over, spotless, you Yeah, you make sure the house is pristine show and you, ready. you get out of the house. So it was a little bit awkward though, because the owners of the home were renting it. And so the renters didn't have any reason to accommodate people who wanted to look through the house. So anyway, so they were just like, We're not leaving. You're not gonna interrupt our day. So first I walked through and Neil sat in the car with the kids and I just had this Right when I walked in, I was able to see past all of just the junk and the, the, like, you know, the house was really in rough condition as far as it was dirty. It was messy. There were people there. There were dogs barking. It was, but I could just see past it. And it was like, I could see our family in this home and I felt so good about it. And so I just didn't say anything though. I came out to the car and I switched places with Neil. And so Neil went back inside the house and walked through it with our realtor And then when he came out, we, you know, hopped out of the car and the three of us just stood in the driveway and we both looked at each other and said, this is it. This is, this is our home. And we had toured, I don't know, a dozen other houses. And, um, I mean, some really cool houses. There were like, you know, lots of different types of layouts and, um, all within our price range within, you know, close parameters to where we wanted to be. Some were like closer to the beach, some whatever, you know, lots of different homes with really cool, like Neil said, there's always a give and a take. There's always, you know, a little bit of you're giving here, but you're taking, but nothing felt the same way as this house did, even though this house was a wreck for as, you know, as far as like being show worthy. And in fact, remember there was a couple that came right before us. Oh yeah. And you could tell that I they saw were them just walk like, out. they walked out and it was just like, you could tell they just had like the worst experience. They're just shaking. The guy I remember was shaking his head like, crossing no the street. Way. Like I can't even believe we just looked at that. Yeah. <laughs> so it just felt right. And I mean, there were lots of ups and downs that came after that. In fact, our realtor said that was the craziest transaction she had had in like her entire career, <laughs> 20, 30 something yeah. years of being in real, real estate. But, but still it worked out and it just, it felt right. Even though we, we kind of had decided in our minds, we're staying in our same old neighborhood. This is the kind of house we want. When we tried to do it our way, it didn't work out. But as soon as we just turned it over to God and said, whatever you want us to do, we will do. And then when we walked through this and, and we went by feeling, which is what we try to always do, it felt so right. And it, it worked out and it's continued to just work out to be the very best place for us to raise our family and to run our business and to have this home. And every single day when I pray, I pray in gratitude that 
Heavenly Father gave us this home because I tell Neil over and over, like, we don't live here because I did anything special or you did anything special. This is just a blessing from Heavenly Father that he allowed us to live in this home. So I feel like when you let Heavenly Father be in charge and you wait for him to green light on things, like a lot of times if something doesn't work out, it's because something better is coming. And my mom actually reminded me of that the other day. There's a, I find it, but Sherry Dew tells this really cool story about house hunting too, ironically, where um, she teaches this principle of praying, if this doesn't work out, then, you know, please help that something better will come. And I'm such a believer in that. We now have to tell one of Neil's least favorite stories. This is like the most told story. It is not the most told story. That's not true. Okay, but we've got to tell it because it teaches such an important principle. It helped us learn a a lesson at a, a very important lesson at a lower price point for that helped us make choices that were more wise later on for much higher price points. Yeah. Let's just say that like we lost a few thousand dollars in this very expensive lesson where we could have, it could have been hundreds of thousands, you know, if we didn't learn it early in our marriage, but okay, let's just set the stage. We had been married for how long? couple years, maybe. Not even that. <clears throat> well, yeah, because we, we had Annabelle. Yeah, maybe about two years. So we lived in Utah. And so when we got married, we sold our cars that we really liked. And uh, Neil, because I had bought a car that I loved and Neil was driving a car that he loved. And then he took this job where he was commuting a ton. So he was driving this car that was just awful. And uh, like, really, it, it was like a lime green Toyota Camry hybrid that no offense to anybody that drives a lime green Toyota green Toyota. Well, well, I'm not done. (laughs) It smelled like smoke. It smelled like smoke. And it was, it was pretty bad. It was, it was bad. I even had like customers that I would call on. They were, they would, I remember one of them asked somebody that knew me, they're like, does Neil smoke? And I'm like, no, it's my car is making my clothes smell smell like like smoke. smoke. It was pretty bad, but we did it because it was supposed, it was like economical because he was was saving money on gas. Um, Like if it had been a different color and it didn't smell like smoke, totally different story, but it was kind of a rough car. So we talked about, okay, maybe we get rid of that or maybe we get rid of my car. And we, we kind of were thinking about, you know, shuffling our car situation and Neil loves cars. Yes. So one night, this was like, and still kind of is Neil's favorite pastime, was looking at cars on a website called KSL, which is kind of like Utah's version of Craigslist. So he was on, why don't you take it? So I, I don't know. I've always done this my whole life. Like it, whatever. I was just, when I was younger, it was motorcycles. I'd, you know, pull up the the motorcycle catalogs and see if like used motorcycles and what they were going for and getting a feel for you know, numbers and how expensive, et cetera. And so that evolved into cars once I got my license. And I just, lo- I don't know, I just always loved that. Um, just kind of understanding how that, what the price points were and, you know, what was a good deal, what wasn't. So I knew I loved, I loved a certain car. It's not an intelligent car to purchase. 
in a lot of ways. Well, why, like, we're not going to mask the identity, I, right? I know, because you literally, the name of the story is the Range Rover story. So, no we offense to any it. Range Rover. I've, I hear, I know people who have them now and they've gotten significantly better. But ultimately, they're not known to be the most reliable cars. And they're when they do cars. break down, they're known to be extremely expensive to fix. And so... I, f- I was looking at these cars. I'm like, oh, it's so cool. And I th- found one that was a few, you know, a few years old, had higher miles on it. And I'm like, I can't believe how cheap this is. You get that, that like, wow, this looks like such a good deal. And I'm like, but I knew, I knew in my heart, in my mind, I'm like, there's one, this is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. And two, I just know this is probably a bad idea. And, and I'm like looking up the reviews everyone's like don't buy this car you know you're gonna get to know your mechanic really really well with this car like etc but i was kind of like the ad for it the guy's like i've redone everything on this car anything that that you know could possibly go wrong has been replaced it's got blah 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 it's got this warranty it's got that warranty this is such a good deal um so i was like okay like wow but but i remember saying like i i'm like this just there's no way. It's too good to be true. I'm not even going to look at it. But Corinne's like, why don't you just, just go look at it? It's such a good deal. Just I can tell you want to go, go check it out. Neil is downplaying his excitement. It was like a little kid in a candy store. He was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. He was so excited about it. And I was like, well, if you're so excited, why don't you go check it out? You know, so. So I go check it out and like, I'm like, okay, it seems I drive it. I'm like, well, this is cool. I'd never driven one before. I loved it. You know, there were a couple things on it that were like, okay, this isn't ideal or this, you know, needs to be fixed here or there. But I'm like, I could even do that myself. Um, so we talk it over. I'm like, Hey, this looks great. This looks awesome. I love this car. I think it's so cool. And so we make a decision to, we're like, all right, well, let's move forward with it. And, and let's, let's get it. Whoa, hold on. You're missing like the most important part. You're you're literally missing the most important piece. Yeah, go ahead. So Neil comes home. He tells me about this car. He's like, yeah, it's so great. I'm so excited about it. Like, seems like all everything, you know, checks all the boxes as far as like, it should be safe and, you know, it looks fine. And I think this guy just wants to get a new car and it would be a great deal. And I was like, okay. And so I don't remember if it was your idea or mine, but we just said, let's pray about it. So we kneel down to pray about this. And I don't remember if I said the prayer you did, but while we were praying about it, I got this sick feeling, like, like just sick gut feeling. But I was like, oh, this is the most excited I've seen Neil be about something in a long time. Like, I don't want to crush his dreams. <laughs> so I kind of was like, all right, we'll just, I'm just going to go along with that. I just didn't say anything. And you tell your side of how you felt when we prayed about it. I mean, it. when we initially prayed about it, I'm like, okay, well, I, and, you know, I'm like, all right, I, I guess I feel fine. I didn't feel anything. I, I don't, you know, I think I kind of knew deep down that it wasn't a good idea, but I kind of just was like blocking that out. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like I think it's fine. Yeah, let's do it. Like, I want to, I, I don't want to get you know, a no. <clears throat> I'm, I'm just, yeah, I was so like, I'm going to, I want this thing. Yeah. And um, so we, we go to run, you know, talk to the bank and ironically, it's kind of just a weird situation. They're like, Hey, our systems are down. Like we won't be able to run, you know, the transaction or Come anything. Come back in an hour. And I remember just feeling so much stress and anxiety mm-hmm. and just like, we went down to, we went to eat somewhere and I just couldn't sit still on my knees bouncing up and down. And friends like, what's wrong with you? 
And I'm like, I just, I just want this to go. I just want this to go through. I just want this to go through. I was just totally tripping out. And I was so nervous and so anxious. Finally, I remember calling up the bank and like being pretty aggressive with them. I'm like, dude, just make it happen. Like, you know, figure out a way to, to push this thing through, you know, circumvent your system, like turn, turn, you know, there's gotta be a way for you to get, figure out this, this outage thing. So, you know, the kid came through at the bank. Um, we went there, we signed off on it. And from there, long story short, we, we owned it for about a month. It was in the shop, probably like 25 days out of the 30 days that we owned it. True. And not just like we couldn't get it back out of the shop. Like I would be driving at home and the check engine light would come back on and there would be a new problem. Like we couldn't even get it. We couldn't even get it to pass emissions because the check engine light just kept coming on or, or like something would break. And every time we took it back into the shop, it was no joke, like a thousand dollars plus to fix it. Yeah. I think after three trips to the mechanic, I just finally looked at Neil and said, We've got to cut our losses here. We, we yeah. need to walk away from this. And so let alone, not a, like it was, you know, this particular car was known to have problems, but we've come to find out had purchased the worst year it was 2003, the worst run of this particular of the, of the Range Rover. It was like the worst year you could have possibly It was just a bad decision. And, and yeah. yeah. I should have said something when I had that sick feeling, but you know, I was like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be the downer. I don't want to crush Neil's dreams. He's so excited about this. And, um, but I had that sick feeling and you had your own version of that. Like, this isn't right. And so we learned a very expensive lesson and we talk about it all the time. And for that matter, I'm very grateful that we learned that with a car and we lost a few thousand dollars rather than, you know, maybe a house where we could have like I said a minute ago, or lost hundreds like a of thousands. business deal, or I mean, it happens Anything. with way bigger things. Anything. And so, yeah. long story short, yeah, we got rid of the car. You know, got something that was going to work for our family, and you know that we we felt better about. But that we lesson pray about everything taught us. Yes, yeah. we pray about everything, and we have to have we have to feel united, and we have to have a good feeling because we both agree that Heavenly Father is not going to tell us to do something unless it's the right thing, and He's. He's going to give us either that super of thought or a sick feeling or just feeling of confusion or why isn't this coming together? So, I mean, to circle back with what was happening this past week, I started to feel like, oh my gosh, all, I just kept saying to Neil, all the wheels are falling off because it just kept feeling like everything was coming apart and our whole life was unraveling. And so, I mean, one afternoon I, I started looking up real estate prices in other places. I was like, are we not supposed to live here? And so I started to pray really hard. And I just said, Heavenly Father, whatever you want us to do, I will do it. But just, I need one piece of the puzzle to feel right so that I can start putting all the other pieces back together. And I just said, just one thing, please help me to know that one thing is right. And then we can build everything else off of that. And We happened to have some tours scheduled that afternoon for a private school and we went to go tour these schools and Neil, pretty much you had decided in your mind before we even toured these schools, like we're not doing this, right? You had said like, I had already decided, but he, and he in fact was like, let's just cancel this. This isn't a good idea. And I was like, well, we already have, we already have it scheduled. Like, let's just, let's just go check it out. And the first of the two, we walked 
onto this campus and it was all I could do to not start crying. And multiple times throughout the tour, I kept feeling the spirit so much that I wanted to cry. And it was like, we left there and we looked at each other and I said, our kids need to go to school here. And Neil was like, I feel exactly the same. And it was like the one piece of the puzzle that I needed to have fall into place to know that this is where Heavenly Father wants us. This is where he wants our family. This is where he wants our children to be going to school and to grow up and that we should raise our family here and that we should stay here. It was like, okay, that's all I needed was just one thing to feel certain and to feel right. And the fact that Neil and I both felt so strongly an absolute yes, that's just what I needed to move forward. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add about that? I think what I learned from the uh, the Range Rover story too was like, one, one important key element was being willing to not do something or being mm -hmm. willing to walk away. And I think I learned that through that story that in order to receive an answer, sometimes if I'm not willing to accept a no, then I might not get the answer I'm looking for or, there, or I might not get an answer because I'm not willing to listen. Right. And so with this situation, I, I logistically was like, okay, there's just, there's just no way this isn't going to work out. But, hey, I'm willing to check it out. I'm willing to to consider this, even though my mind mentally would say no to this. I'm willing to to consider it. And then I think being open and going and touring the school, then it's like, yeah, we just had this powerful experience. And I, I know how I knew how I felt. But, I, you know, right when I turned to Corinne, I'm like immediately like, OK, you had the exact same experience that I. Yeah. So I want to read a quotation from one of my very favorite talks. And Neil and I would not be married if it weren't for this talk. And it's called Cast Not Away, Therefore Your Confidence. It's, a, it's actually a speech from BYU um, from 1999, Jeffrey R. Holland. And I, I love this part. It says, fighting through darkness and despair and pleading for the light is what opened this dispensation. It is what keeps it going and it is what will keep you going. With Paul, I say to all of you, and this is from Hebrews, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. I acknowledge the reality of opposition and adversity, but I bear witness of the God of glory, of the redeeming Son of God, of the light and hope and a bright future. I promise you that God lives and loves you, each one of you. And that he has set bounds and limits in the opposing powers of darkness. I testify that Jesus is the Christ, the victor over death and hell, and the fallen one who schemes there. The gospel of Jesus Christ is true. And I just wanted to share that because I know that everyone in some way is feeling like the wheels are falling off. <laughs> because there's just so much change right now. There's so much opposition. There's so much darkness. There's so much despair and division and all the things that we're going through right now. But... Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father are there to help us, to guide us, to make sure that we stay on the path that they have laid out for us, that they're there to guide us into the best decisions that will lead us to happiness. So I think Neil has one last story to share to wrap this up. Yeah, there's actually um, just a, a scripture that I really like that talks a little bit about this, but this is um, from the Old Testament, from Second Kings chapter 6. So this is uh, the prophet Elisha, and he is kind of under siege. The, the Syrians are after him, um, and they're basically surround him in this, uh, in this city. And so 
they he's he's got a servant his servants with him they wake up in the morning and they see this scenes there of like horses chariots just soldiers that have come in and just laid siege to this city or surrounding it so they get up in the morning his servant sees this and just completely freaks out he's like oh my goodness we are we're doomed um and he's and this is the scripture starting here in verse 15 he said and when the servant of the man of god was risen early and gone forth behold and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots and his servant said unto him alas my master how shall we do like what are we going to do and so the prophet answers and he says fear not for they that be with us are more than they that be with them and so he he you know obviously if you heard that you'd be like i don't know what you're talking about it's just me and you and there's horses and chariots and soldiers surrounding us i don't think there's a whole lot of people here We're to help us. We're, we, we are in big, big, big trouble. And it says in 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So there's this whole army of unseen forces of, of angels and fires and chariots that are, are, spiritually there um and can be spiritually discerned and the the servant just needed his eyes open to see how much support and how much how many people that were there to help them and they were vastly and and significantly more than the people the the enemy that they were surrounded by so that concept for me is really powerful i think that a lot of times it's easy to logistically look and see with your your natural eyes and say, wow, okay, you know, I'm in the midst of this situation, whatever it is, COVID, um, you know, financial challenge, business challenge, um, you know, economic or or political climate or whatever this issue, you're like, what do we do, man? We're surrounded. We are surrounded and and this does we're doomed. Um, but they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And I think sometimes we just need to pray that our eyes can be opened spiritually to be able to see and, and more importantly, feel the support of those that we cannot see that are from the spiritual realm that are rallying for us and here to help us. So I, I love that part of the, the scriptures. I do too. So I hope this gives you guys some confidence and some good ideas for how to make the best decisions in your life, especially those really big ones. Thanks for hanging out with us and thank you. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.